Hello and welcome to the Ghibli Rewatch series of the Overly Animated Podcast, where we'll be going through every Studio Ghibli movie chronic chronologically from the beginning. I'm Dylan Heisen, and today I am joined by Michelle Lander. Hello. And Delaney Stovall. Hey, y'all. Yes, it's the Ghibli Rewatch Podcast. Join us in rewatching or watching for the first time every Studio Ghibli movie now that they're available for streaming for the first time. And today is HBO Max launch day when this podcast is coming out. So, uh, you, they are now available in the United States for streaming for the first time ever. Um, you know, if you have HBO Max, good luck figuring out if you get that. I'm going to be going through that so soon. And I'm excited to see, uh, what the f- streaming setup looks like, what, uh, you know, for well, how good all the videos uh, look and stuff for these movies. And so, well, we can check in on all that next week since we are recording this a day before the launch. Um, but today is Nausicaa and the Valley of the Winds or Nausicaa of the Valley of the Winds, uh, depending on sub or dub, which, uh, we can talk a little bit more <laughs> later. Um, but yes, Ghibli Rewatch Series new podcast every Wednesday as we go through the whole Ghibli catalog chronologically at overlyanimated.com. Um, I'm a Ghibli expert and will be joined by co-hosts with a variety of Ghibli experience. Michelle it has watched a lot of Ghibli movies, has a lot of Ghibli knowledge. Delaney here is more of a Ghibli newcomer, so we'll get some different perspectives on this movie. Um, I want to warn full spoilers for every movie we discuss. So full spoilers for Naushka, The Valley of the Wind. Make sure you have seen it before you continue listening. And we'll be discussing both the sub, subbed and dubbed versions, primarily the subs, I would say, but watch whichever you prefer and, uh, not necessary to have seen either format for this podcast. So getting into Naushka of the Valley of the Wind, this is from 1984. It is, uh, considered largely to be the first Studio Ghibli movie technically created before Studio Ghibli was formed. Um, what can you say about this movie? Uh, well, I'll try to say a few things. It is Miyazaki's, uh, directed by Hayao Miyazaki. It is his, uh, sci-fi fantasy epic, you know, maybe along with one or two other movies in his career, um, based on his own manga that he started, uh, doing around the time of this movie a few years before and continued, you know, a decade after this movie. His manga takes the form of an epic poem. And I think you see that translated into this movie. We see so much of what consider we consider to be the Miyazaki kind of canon of elements uh throughout all of his films introduced in this movie and this very much feels I think like a Miyazaki movie in a lot of ways we could talk about that um coming off of Castle of Caligostro which we talked about uh last time it was actually not a box office hit and he had trouble finding uh a, a follow-up movie to direct and find and finding a studio that wanted him to direct Miyazaki did um, and, and this movie, Nausicaa, catapulted him to kind of what we know him as today. This was a smash hit. Uh, it it made the formation of Studio Ghibli uh, came right off of this. And like right after this, he starts being a famous figure in Japan and considered a legend pretty, pretty quickly. So this is, you know, quite an important movie for him. And also, I think for modern animation, I, I you know, I think this influences a lot of what we see today in modern animation. We'll go over that. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't think it would be an understatement to call this the most influential animated movie of all time. Um, you know, that that's separate from any discussions of quality or themes and stuff, but at, at the very least, extremely notable movie in that regard. So, you know, all of that being said, we're excited to get into Naushka, one of my personal favorites. So I want to hear, um, 
your history with with Ghibli, uh, what your history with Nausicaa, and what do you think of this movie? We heard Michelle last time um, has is, has more of uh, has seen the Ghibli movies a while ago. Michelle, when did you first see Nausicaa, and what do you what's kind of your history with this movie? Nausicaa, it was probably either like mid high school or very early college, um, and I think I I sought it out just because it was one of the ones everyone always talks about when they you know when they're recommending Ghibli canon to it's uh, Nausicaa is always up there, um, and I remember being super blown away by it just because like it's such an experience like especially just like the music I feel like is such a big part of. Like what what really captures the soul of this movie itself. And a lot of the animation sequences have just like permeated my brain and like crystallized there, like especially just early on, just like seeing the spores fall when she's watching them. It's just so it's so beautiful. And there are so many quiet, nice moments like that within this very large epic sci-fi grand, like environmental message leaning movie. Um, and I love it. It's definitely one of my top movies. And just Nausicaa as a character is just so nice to see. Um, and she's a real leader. And she's a leader in her own way. And that's also just wonderful. Because, like, there's so many anime that's just... <laughs> you never get that with interesting female characters. Um, but, yeah. I mean, I think it's a 100% solid movie. I think most people who see Nausicaa like are pretty much guaranteed to find something about they like there's a lot in this movie to like for everyone and so i think it's just all in all a solid film okay thank you yeah solid solid film delaney you uh are newer to this movie i know and uh but how about first year you're kind of your history with ghibli movies um when you kind of saw them throughout your life and then then what did you think of this movie so, as with most things, I started watching Ghibli movies because Dylan told me to. <laughs> That's and, most things? Oh, no. Uh, well, I meant, like, Dylan recommends me a lot of things to watch. We like a lot of the similar things. And I had never seen a Ghibli movie. Uh, it has to have been before college, I think, was when I probably watched. Like, I remember going to the library and I rented as many as I could. And I, I didn't get through all of the ones I rented, but I... um. Or borrowed, I should say, from the library. I got, I watched Spirited Away. I've seen Grave of the Fireflies. And um, I, more recently, my, one of my old roommates, he's a really good friend of mine. His favorite is my neighbor Totoro. We watched that, uh, me and my fiance watched that with him. And I think that's, oh, and I did watch when Marnie was there when it came oh. out with, um, and I think, I think that might be it. Yeah, so, uh, so my, more oh, of Oh, and Ponyo. I love Ponyo. <laughs> <laughs> so you've seen some of the more recent ones and then some of the older ones yeah. you've specifically right. sought out. It's just really, yeah, it's, it's like based on what I could find at the library mm. and, uh, you know, what people have told me. Like, I always, like, I have friends, you know, everyone loves Howl's Moving Castle. I haven't watched that one yet. But, you know, I've heard things about My Neighbor Totoro and everyone, like, if you've seen a Ghibli movie, everyone has seen Spirited Away. Yes. But and what, then, but today you watched yes, Nausicaa. Today I watched Nausicaa. And so uh, I was really excited to watch this movie. I know it means a lot to Dylan and, um, and I can see why, especially. Uh, so I'm vegetarian and there's, there's a lot in this movie that speaks to me, not just because I'm vegetarian, but because I'm like a person, but like this, uh, like the messages in this movie, or I, I guess it was just, so based on my experience with Ghibli, 
you kind of start the movie and you have no idea where you are and it takes a little bit to figure out what's going on. And so I did spend, I was, I guess stunned for like the first half hour of the movie, just trying to like take it all in what was going on. I really enjoyed it. And this movie is aggressively eighties in like the best possible way. So, um, I, I really did just enjoy the movie. Um, I'm not as like, obviously I know studio Ghibli and Miyazaki has, you know, influenced so much in animation. I'm looking at the outline now about, and it's becoming more obvious to me how much this has influenced things I currently watch or have watched in modern animation. So this is pretty exciting stuff. Like I'm really excited to like get into talking about this movie and just exploring more of, Studio Ghibli because it's just, it's really just a still kind of a new thing to me and like kind of appreciating you know what we would consider like the greatest you know I, we talk about animation like every day and it's like well let's look at what the greatest animation is so yeah I really enjoyed this movie it was really good like I I think I might have to watch it again to really like settle into like how epic it was I was very much caught away in like the emotions of it all and like the, just how gorgeous the movie was that's that's okay. That's awesome. Um, yeah, no, it's kind of the premise for the series. Is, okay, now let's re- let's let's revisit the the best of the best. Not not that every Ghibli movie is, but um, I think not this movie specifically. And uh, yeah, I know excited to talk about. I've listed some of the influences on Avatar: the Last Airbender on the outline to talk about that with Delaney. Um, one of the more interesting topics, the kind of more you think about some of the Miyazaki movies and some mod- modern shows. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, w- I mean, I watched Nashka pretty, which I don't even, in my head, it's always Nausicaa. I've just been, like, pronouncing it like yeah. that, I guess, recently, because <laughs> I noticed there's a difference, and I have to be conscious of all the pronunciations, which, by the way, we can go over those now, which is the, uh, there's Om and Omu, you know, either one's fine. Okay. Uh, we can say Om, um, but, you know, it's got the U at the end if you want to spell it out. Um, and then uh, there's the Sea of Decay or the Toxic Jungle, depending, which is the Fukai in Japanese, depending on if you're watching. Did you watch the sub or the dub, Delaney? Uh, I watched the sub. Okay. So use the Sea of Decay in, in the sub, but it is yeah. also referred to as the Toxic Jungle in the dub. Um, yeah, I watched the sub this time. I think I f- at first watched the dub of this movie the first few times even. I really like the dub yeah. of Na- Na- Nashka. Um, I think it's it's one of the better disney uh ghibli dubs um so i'd I'd recommend if if you like if you're like on the fence about quality of some dubs i think this one stands up um but yeah i I mean i first watched this when i was watching all the ghibli movies you know around in high school and or you know early high school and this this one really i think captures you um and uh it's pretty blown away by by Nausicaa and everything happening in the world and the epicness of it. Um, you know, the themes, it also speaks to me a lot with the, the you know, kindness to, to animals, the environmentalism. I think um, this movie and feminism is an interesting topic um, in, in ways in each direction. And uh, just the, the really strong messaging. So this was always like one of my favorites. I think it's at... Growing up, I'm like, this is the best movie ever. I think it was my top one for a long time. Um, you know, I think now, I think, you know, Spirited Away, Mononoke are um, right there, potentially above this movie. And uh, 
I think the the worst thing probably you could say about about Nashka is it uh, can be a little slow paced at certain times compared to some of his later movies. I think this takes the form of more of like this uh, epic. Um, it's like a little slow paced and yet has a ton going on and is only two hours, which I don't think you realize uh, after at the end. So it <laughs> feels like a lot longer with with it, which is is I think is mostly good, but it could be a little bad. Um, but I, th- I think this movie is like Miyazaki it has most diluted in terms of themes and morals. And I think that's a really good thing. Um, if you're not as into that, maybe you prefer things with less heavy messaging, like, uh, the previous movie. Um, but you know, I think this and Mononoke, which I think is a very similar movie in some ways, um, have, uh, go, go right at you with that. And Miyazaki's so good at, uh, at delivering these messages. Um, and then, and then, yeah, I think, I think Naushka herself as a character is the other really interesting topic to talk about with this movie, but probably the most notable Ghibli Miyazaki main character. Um, I mean, there's a lot of good ones, but I think Nausicaa stands out in a way that a lot of times main characters maybe get a little bit eclipsed by everything going on around them in these movies as incredible as the animation in the worlds are. Nausicaa extremely strong-willed and prominent in this, throughout this movie. Um, I mean, I think, uh, the place to, I think the, the, maybe the headline with, with Nasca, but, um, I think we're going to spend a lot of time talking about her as a character, but the, the environmentalism, I feel like is what you remember with, with, with this movie the most, maybe. Um, it's, uh, you know, we, we, this is the direct, uh, result. This is his like post-apocalyptic. We see what happens once the humans ruin everything. I think this movie set, seems extremely prescient. Um, in 1984, it was made. Uh, as you know, we, we, we learn that the sea of decay is, um, which is just so toxic to humans is actually like purifying the earth. Um, I think you can, it, this movie just really holds up in light of global <laughs> warming, I feel like to a large extent. Um, and you know, it's, it's based off of pre environmental disasters in Japan, Miyazaki, you know, experienced and read about growing up. So, uh, I, I think that, 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 um, has been a constant and then leads to being a constant throughout his works. Um, yeah, Michelle, do you, do you like, I guess, how his, uh, environmentalism takes shape in this movie, maybe, maybe versus, versus some others you've seen. Cause like it, it does definitely touch all of his films in some ways. I mean, it's very, it's a very strong, specific, probably one of the most prominent focuses of his work outside of princess Mononoke for sure. Uh, I think it's it's one of the things you remember just based on like how it captures the mindset of going into this movie. Like I, it was really interesting to hear Delaney's perceptive on it, like just as like someone watching it the first time, because like Delaney, as you were talking about being like, okay, like a lot's going on, and I'm like trying to piece together what the plot is, but also just like taking it in in the moment and having all these emotions. Cause like, yeah, like looking back, that probably is exactly what I did too, because there, it just kind of throws you in there. Like you had Nausicaa sort of like, you know, getting excited about the shell of the ohm and like, you you understand that she's in a place that must be toxic just because she's wearing this mask but that's like kind of all you have to go on in terms of like what's going on with the state of the world in those first early minutes of the film but i mean it's gorgeous like it's gorgeously animated and drawn the music such a statement in those early scenes and it's just it's like kind of 
amazing to watch. I mean, and it, it comes back in so many different ways because I also think about, you know, Nausicaa, you know, she takes, she harvests a lot of these plants to take back home into her secret room to study them and to detoxify them, which is also pretty interesting. And the fact that, like, yeah, like you're saying, Jelena, it, it's essentially, like, it's only toxic for humans. Like, the bugs inside the forest are fine. It seems like the animals are pretty okay, too. It's really just bad for humans. And the humans are the ones that got the forest at the state that it's in, in the first place from ages ago. So it's just a really interesting way to think about the long-lasting effects of environmentalism from such a distant future seeming apocalyptic scenario that works really well for the story. Plus like that, just like how vibrant, if still toxic, the forest itself looks juxtaposed to just like all the sand dunes, the, the tiny communities that are barely holding on of human civilization that are super stretched out. Um, and I think it's not a surprise that the Valley of the Winds, like, one of the few that looks like it's doing pretty okay. And I think part of the reason they're doing okay is like, they're not overstepping. They're not trying to grow. Like they're, there's they're content being where they are without trying to expand and take over more land. And I feel like that's another message that's kind of in there too, that the movie wants to talk about. But I mean, it's great. Like you can't not think about Nausicaa as a film and not think about the environment. That seems very specifically prominent the entire time. Yeah, I think so. Um, and uh, the uh, you you mentioned masks earlier, and I just like I think this also plays yeah. uh, this movie <laughs> plays really specifically right now um, yeah. during COVID nineteen times. Um, so you know, yeah, the our world right now is at the sea of decay, right? So wear your masks if you're going out because that, yeah. But yeah, there's a whole thing. It's like she takes off the mask. It's like wow, okay, it's, it's mm-hmm. interesting movie to watch right now specifically. I think, um, yeah. and. Uh, the uh yeah you yeah the 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 moral of like the the earth is pure is like kicking the humans off and purifying itself i mean it's just like it's it's where we're headed on our current path right like i think that's what everyone talks about with what will ultimately happen with with global warming is you know humans will die but not the earth itself and uh yeah it's this i think i think every a lot a lot of aspects uh still very prominent in hitting home and with nausicaa in terms of its messaging delaney how did you kind of react uh the environmental factors of this movie. And then you mentioned some other, some of the other messages you found coming from it. Um, like what, what hit you, I think the most on your watch. Well, I mean, like really, uh, Michelle's already touched on some of this. The, it's very overwhelmed, like overwhelming mm-hmm. in a good way, like how environmentalist it is. Like we have, and a lot of it has to do with Nausicaa herself. Like she looks at everything with so much wonder and love and kindness um, like watching her um, tame the ohm was like was incredible, and you know even though again I'm still trying to piece together how this world works. Like I mean these things still make an impact. Or when she was on the ohm shell and watching the spores fall, and even then like so I um, I have to wear a gas mask at work sometimes, like a straight up legit ma- gas mask. So like um, this is something that was it was weird watching. And also, like, I also have, like, kind of a, like, feeling, like, when she took her gas mask off, me and my fiancé were, like, flipping out. We were like, put your mask back on! What are you doing? Like, like, what? So that, like, in that, that, that definitely had an impact on me. Not just, it's obvious she's wearing a gas mask, but someone who, like, has to do that very regularly, it's, um, 
it does make an impact. And also, it's very obvious watching this film, like you're talking about Miyazaki's history. So um, there, there was Hiroshima in Japan. And we're also talking, I mean, this movie came out in 1984. We're talking about the Cold War. And there is a lot of nuclear um, imagery in this film, like the giant ones uh, that they're like nuclear laser beam. That is literally what it looks like when a bomb goes off. And um, like the flash, obviously we didn't have like a mushroom cloud or anything, but, and also just, and, and the gas masks and it's a very powerful imagery. And on top of that, like it's i mean like dylan was saying this is so much we're still dealing with this now like we like we're the cold war never ended and uh we're still dealing with a lot of the the impacts of these other events and then like you know you have this the sea of decay and everyone's so scared of the animals but the animals aren't really the problem it's because the people keep going in there or the fact that gunfire would attract the the insects or they would only attack if they were attacked mm. and then like the whole like when they triggered the attack on the valley of the winds with the baby i mean that was a moment that was really um so like other messages you were talking about it's not just like environmentalism like to me it's hard to separate like love for animals and uh, a kindness to living creatures and the environment because they're the one in the same, but it's not like, it's not just about like the literal air and the grass. And, um, you know, it's not only does Nausicaa purify and she's, you know, has a respect for plants, but also her respect, her respect and profound love for living creatures. Like everything she does, like she doesn't want, like to me, I was like, Oh, you killed those dudes. Cause they killed your dad. I mean, okay that seems legit but then Nick, she you know you know to not want to fight the ohm to and when i mean the entire scene with the baby was extremely powerful and she's you know she's she's bleeding she took several bullets for it for it and then when she's bleeding and it's bleeding and she just wants to help it. And it's not, and it, it's not just that she wants to save her people, but it's also this incredibly cruel thing that they have done that um, it reminds me of um, an episode of Dr. Who that's always stuck with me with the star whales like this to torture a creature for no reason. Like it's not just like the killing. It's the actual, like this inhumane treatment of a living thing. And it's like, that was extremely profound for me. And it's a message that's very like it's throughout the movie. Like she, she has like her, what what they call an insect charmer. Hmm. Um, she doesn't like, and her gun that she, uh, she never uses the gun to kill. I think she only shoots off flares with it. And then she uses it like one time to like, that's how she gets the, um, the eye casing or whatever on the, the, the ohm shell. Yeah. And there's just and 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 I think there's also like a lot of like they, there's just so much imagery and like this like and this movie also reminded me a lot of The Iron Giant, which is one of my favorite films. Which you know like where The Iron Giant's like I don't want to be a gun, and like I think there's a lot of imagery with the guns and you know the guns versus the swords and um like 
it just there's just so much in this film and like I think I mean it's you can't talk about this without talking about like the environmentalism because it's not just the like what's happening in the film like it's the literal whole point and no one's listening to Nausicaa no one is like the fact that she like figured it out like figured out what the yeah. sea of decay was yeah yeah i mean i mean i think i think you get the sense of just kind of all of the different directions kind of you get morals and messages from everything you're talking about delaney and i can totally say that's like a lot can be overwhelming um first viewing even still kind of try, trying to dissect everything it's always it's a lot yeah like there's there's a lot in this film and i think and to me it wasn't like it's not like it was a mess or anything it was just it comes at you very fast but I don't think in a bad way. Granted, it's also different, I guess, when you're receptive and these messages mean a lot to you. Like, these are all things that mean a lot to me. And so to watch this film, it was, I mean, it was very emotional. Yeah, that's that's great. Yeah, um, the, I mean, and I think this comes from him, you know, he's he's writing this manga, not even finished, uh, and he has to dilute his entire kind of story into this two-hour movie is, is where <laughs> yeah. everything kind of comes from here. Um, and then, you know, it wasn't, finished and uh, he creates this ending for it which we'll get to in a second you mentioned the uh the anti anti-nuclear messaging which i think is is one of the more maybe subtle ones but i definitely think you get the sense that although not explicitly stated that their world maybe ended with a combination of um pollution and in, in nuclear disaster um so it's kind of like symbolic of, of that and you know however these uh, giant monsters come into play with that uh does not really got into in this movie but that's it's it's definitely a a, a scene and a, the image you 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 get from it um and uh different some different directions i go i could say um we're gonna get to uh you mentioned kind of nausicaa's love of life a lot again gonna get back to that in a second but um to the end of the movie and uh this this message of um who who is inheriting the earth who is surviving i want to bring in some quotes from susan napier who wrote the miyazaki world book that i've been quote i'll be quoting on the series um uh she says um at the end of her nasca chapter yet to mind not nasca cuts deeper and lingers longer this is not only due to the sheer beauty of the film and unforgettable character of nasca herself but also the truly radical vision that a plant a girl and an insect all deserve to inherit the earth um and you know i think it's not it's not this message of humans um aren't welcome uh because of the way humans act they're not welcome on earth anymore and it belongs to the uh it, it belongs to the the plants or the insects it, it i think like through nausicaa embodies hope for humanity um this is a world where you see the result of the destructive actions of humans so much and um what we get is a very optimistic ending to this movie um and i think it's largely due to nausicaa being this such the this idealistic character who embodies the best of humanity so you, you you we i think we see that nausicaa does deserve to be there on earth alongside the elm and the toxic jungle um and uh that and she she is revived at the end she is um the the the, the valley of the wind survives and uh hopefully flourishes and uh you know i think it's a lot of people they have uh, an interesting relationship to the optimistic ending of this movie, but I think it's very powerful to um, 
see Miyazaki's vision of like simultaneously maybe condemning humanity for what uh, we're doing and then seeing hope in us for the future through through uh, Nausicaa as a representation of that. Um, yeah, Michelle, what do you what do you think of the uh, nature of the optimistic ending of the movie? I mean, I think there's also a um, a messianic uh, element to get into, which I think ties uh-huh. into Nausicaa's character, but. <laughs> Um, does it feel weird for this mo- a movie at times this bleak to end happily? No, it doesn't feel weird. And I think you articulated really, really well why that is. Because, I mean, it's it's one thing to be very, I would say, justifiably critical of what we are doing to the planet. I mean, and this movie is about 40 years old at this point, and it's only... <laughs> The planet's only gotten more exacerbated with all these problems. Um, And I think it's... If you're going to make a movie to talk about this, I feel like it's a really good balance to start off with, like, all the very, like, real... Like, this is a bit of a hyperbolic situation, you know, post-apocalyptic. Like, humanity's at the brink of its own destruction, um, very spread out, hardly any communities left, very few sustainable places of life, even. Um, but it, it's fine to talk about all that. Like, I think, like, that does, like, give you a certain amount of, like, fear and, like, concern about where everything's going. But I think, again, balancing that with having somebody kind of channel all the things you can do to try to be more mindful of the the ecosystems that exist around you and to give you more of a blueprint for how to coexist with that instead of trying to take it over is probably the best thing you could do to try to keep people motivated to change the actual future, you know? I feel like it's important to have that balance because if it did just end with Nausicaa dying and being a martyr, it's like, well, that's it then. I guess, like, the rest of us... Because, like, I do think it's very interesting that... There's just so few people in this movie. There are so few communities of people that are alive anymore at this point in the future. And they are on the brink of their own destruction. I think Nausicaa is the one that kind of helps them put the brakes on that and change their perspective enough about what their real enemy is and what their real goals should be to try to rebuild again in a, in a significant like positive way you know that seems to be a lot of what the end of the movie is they're reconstructing the valley of the wind nausicaa very much seems to be in charge of like helping people navigate and understand you know the forest and the the bugs the way she always has no trouble with i feel like one of the nice things about nausicaa is like Everyone in her community, like, can tell, like, they, they just love her. They they affirm her choices and her leadership so much. And even her enemies, they, they come around to her perspective because she just, she demonstrates the power of what she believes in a way that is so undeniable. They have to pay attention to it and they have to, like, readjust their mindsets to what they assumed they should be doing in the world, you know? And that's, like pretty powerful stuff if not the most powerful thing you can do you know to change someone else's mind instead of like forcing them physically to do what you want and i think nausicaa as a character is just so so good at that the whole time in the movie 
Yeah, that's great. That'll lead us into Nausicaa as a character pretty well. But before that, Delaney, you, as someone who kind of just is coming off of seeing the movie for the first time, how how did you emotionally kind of react to this optimistic ending? Well, so the last, you know, several minutes of the film are very, like, intense. And (laughs) I, like... I I was I was expecting her to be dead. <laughs> like I wasn't mm-hmm. sure. Like you always want that happy ending, you know. Like it's hard. Like we we as humans want the happy ending, and, and I and I wanted the happy ending for Nausicaa because she deserves it. As a, like as a character, like she doesn't like you know she gave everything for the sea of decay for her people, and it's like don't kill her, <laughs> let her live, and. So there's that satisfaction there where, like, you know, this is such a good character, such a good person. Like, she did everything right, and the world, you know, ruined it for her. And it's one of those things where you're like, no, don't kill her. But by that same token, this, like, one, I think for the Ohm to have saved her, that had a lot of meaning. Like, granted, I don't think it was any, like, it's the same meaning as when the baby is, like, interacting with her when they're at the shore of acid lake but i think you want that hope and it's hard not to want like and i think it's one of those the hope at the end of the movie is about and you know this goes you know to the idea of environmentalism and where we are now and yes everything feels very pointless i think sometimes in this discussion of what we've done to the earth and what we're continuing to do to the earth but it's not irreversible. Like we know it's not, we've known this this whole time. We know that there are things we can do now, things that we could have done 40 years ago that would have helped that we didn't do. And I think there's that, that hope at the end of the movie about we can still change. Like there is still a chance to, you know, it might not be perfect, but we can do something. And, you know, we've seen it in the past, weeks months during the pandemic that when the wheels of capitalism stop turning the earth begins to look like it did before we messed it up and that also plays interestingly yeah it does like this is a very the thing is this movie will always be topical always but then especially now especially when you know we have so many people you know being like wow look at this and it's like yeah we've known this the whole time and so I think that's that that hope at the end. And also that satisfaction, I think also, you know, just narratively where she turned off the water to her secret room because she didn't think there was a point anymore. But then at the end of the movie, we see her, you know, they're opening the wells. They're, you know, they, they're, she's, they're going to rebuild the forest that they had to burn. And so I think, and again, that place too, you know, planting trees and, you know, rebuilding, that there is all like no matter what there is hope because we can change and Nausicaa is that change she and what Michelle was saying about changing people's minds not with words but with actions with the just mm-hmm. the intensity and the sureness of her beliefs yeah um yeah that's great and and like uh 
Nausicaa herself, I mean, I think the movie centers on her in a way, which is very striking and a, probably a, a lot to get into here, here with her as a character. Um, I think Delaney before was talking about one of the main things I want to bring up and I can bring in a Susan Napier quote here. Uh, she says, um, Nausicaa is all embracing not only toward her fellow humans, but toward animals, insects, and even the strange and prolific vegetation that grows in her 30th century world, which I guess is the, century itself if you're from the manga um hers is a rich and nuanced love that of a grateful denizen of a large and multifaceted world a stance that ke- seems consonant to miyazaki's own worldview um nausicaa's empathy i think is a large uh defining trait of her character and i think it's something that i think connects to a lot of us um but uh just very striking seeing her deal with the bugs um going through great efforts to prevent bugs from terrorizing her people and then also from them being terrorized themselves um and uh see and then that kind of con- that uh side by side with her love of of all of humans and, and the world itself um i think it's just constantly reinforced throughout the movie um this this other you know aspect of Nasca's character that goes hand in hand with this is there's a, a sub a sub theme if there isn't enough of Nasca dealing with uh killing and uh maybe an understated part of the movie is during the Tolmecian invasion uh in the beginning of of her valley of the wind she she kills several soldiers and then she becomes afraid of afraid of herself and she talks about it she doesn't want to kill again um i think all this kind of plays into her her empathy and her relationship with the 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 darker side of humanity maybe embodied by the Tolmecians throughout the movie um and uh the, and I guess another quote um, from Napier on on Nasca. Nasca occupies the heart of the film, and she remains to this day perhaps his most beloved heroine. She's also the heart of Miyazaki's own emotional world. A woman who is both real and and idealized, embodying characteristics of not only Miyazaki's mother but also of the director himself. Um, and I think it's interesting if you think of Nasca as both Miyazaki's mother, which we can talk a little bit about that in Star Prey. That's it. As I'm researching more of Miyazaki's own life, his mother, the most prominent figure in his life, I think is going to come up in a lot of these discussions, but also of Miyazaki's own worldview. Um, but uh, yeah, her, just, just her, um, the, the will she exerts, like you guys have been talking about Nausicaa on, on the movie um, and uh, constantly displayed throughout it. Like, uh, do you, do you connect, Michelle, do you connect with Nausicaa as a character? Like maybe because more of the movie center house centers around her than future Ghibli movies, but she's also maybe this idealistic, hard to reach character. I don't know if you agree with that, but like, like she's, uh, uh, you know, this, she is like literally a messianic figure at the end of the movie. Do you connect, yeah. do you connect more with her because she's so kind of prominent and so like, delicately and intricately characterized or is she a little bit distant because of maybe the end of the movie and some of her idealistic presentation i think she's very approachable as a character and i think that just come you you get a sense for who she is so early on just like as lane was saying like she's just so full of wonder when she's in the toxic jungle. She's marveling at everything. She knows it can kill her, but she doesn't care. It doesn't take away from her respect for everything that's going on around her. And I feel like that that just kind of open-hearted sincerity is very easy to have like a personal stake in and to latch onto. I feel like the first time I watched it um, for the for the earlier person, I was kind of like, okay, she's like, 
a little naive maybe to be so open-hearted but then when her father dies and she just snaps and just kills all those people it's like oh okay there are more sides to her than just that clearly i think the fact that she is like on top of all that a very good leader and she's won everyone over in her community by just being very sincere and open-hearted and so they have in turn like opened their hearts to her and trust her so completely and want to defend her and want to listen to what she has to say like she is a very good leader and a pretty healthy way, I'd say, not by brute force, but by just like getting people to want to believe in you and to follow you because of that, because they really believe in what you're doing. Um, So like by the time we get to the end of the movie, I don't think it's such a terrible, because like we spend so much time with her. We know, like I think specifically with Ohms, like she spends so much time with Ohms, like trying to calm them down, like appreciating their old, like shell bodies and like how strong they are and how like her knife can't even cut through them and like oh we can repurpose this like that's so cool the stuff with the baby is really upsetting and I just like I just remember like the part where the baby like tries to go in the water and she's like no it's like acid don't do it and and she's like struggling with it and it like pushes her into the water and the acid's like eating up her foot but it's like worth it to her because that own baby is worth as much as a human life to her. And that's like, so I still feel like that's a pretty radical thing for a character to think in a movie. You know, most people wouldn't place that kind of value on insects, like period. And that's pretty reinforced by the flashback you get when she's trying to hide the baby as a child. And even her father, who we've seen that she loves very much, like, he didn't understand and he killed that baby Ohm and it tore her apart. She was so genuinely upset as a child when that happened. And so I think like Nausicaa has always been that kind of person. So the fact that all the Ohms come together to heal her and she kind of takes on this mythical, like she was the, this gender subversion. She was the hero man all along. Like it just makes perfect sense because the movie has been planting all those seeds to reinforce that idea for the bulk of it. That it's just like, Oh yeah. Like this makes total sense. Like, I can't believe this is happening with a twist, but also like you believe it because it's, it's not out of nowhere. And it feels like this wonderful culmination of just, how sincere and true Nausicaa has been about these things feeling important to her the whole time that for her to actually be rewarded for that in a good way and to not die. So she can actually try to get more people to fix the planet with her is like the ultimate best scenario. I totally believe it. I think it's great. You buy the Elm being able to regenerate or, or more thematically yeah, kind of I mean, how actions in the movie. And like they touched her earlier they got in the movie. Magical she golden re- <laughs> feelers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, anything's possible in the future. That's <laughs> the think, real. I mean, there's yeah. giant, giant warriors. I think that. that exactly. Uh, <laughs> that's the craziest part, honestly. Uh, yeah. Uh, Nasca's relationship with Ohm throughout the movie, who Ohm itself, the Ohm itself, I think, are an enduring uh, f- figure in animation. One of when I I think of this movie, I mean, in addition to the Oscar herself, I think of Ohm, um, and uh, just such an incredible, prominent design in their use throughout the movie. Um, I have an Ohm statue right here I got from the Ghibli Museum in Japan. Um, it's it's so cool. Um, and uh, you, you could have gotten eyes blue or eyes red. I got the eyes red 
Um, really? Because wow. I feel like it's more because I feel like it's more iconic. But then now that I watched again, I'm like, oh, there's all this blue image messaging instead. Uh-huh. Maybe it should blue. I get. You should have just got both. I know it's, it's yeah. it was expensive. I shouldn't even got those, but I had to. <laughs> uh, the, the, uh, the okay, I don't know. There's so much here with not school. What are we talking about? So the, yeah, I think her as a, as a messianic figure, and you, Michelle mentioned the the gender subversion, which um, perhaps the definitely the most. Uh, it's specific element, the most fem- feminist specific element of the movie, maybe overall Nausicaa, um, just being uh, like who she is throughout. And we can get to that in a second. Um, but uh, yeah, Delaney, I mean, quickly, like how, how you connect to, to Nausicaa as a protagonist, maybe even compared to some, some modern ones who I think a lot of whom maybe are embody similar characteristics to Nausicaa. Yeah, no, I was sitting here thinking and while Michelle was talking and, you know, I mean, it was very, I was very struck by it while watching the movie. Um, so this movie was made in 1984 and we just finished She-Ra. I don't think there has ever been a character since Nausicaa that has been, Nausicaa is, well, the compelling thing about Nausicaa is that she is never in doubt. There is not a single moment in this movie where she doubts herself or doubts that what she's doing is right. And I think that is the most compelling thing about this movie. At, at, Nausicaa knows what she is doing at all times. She is confident and she like she is in charge and it doesn't matter if they're following her or not. She is doing what she is doing. And I think that and that is really to me what the love of all the villagers like she knows what she's doing she's doing what's right and she's gonna do it anyway so it doesn't matter and i think that's the most compelling part of the film and why all of her um subjects or you know her people love her so much and it's also one of the most interesting relationships in the film is kashana and um nausicaa and also this also this focus on princesses like They never, Asbel, they never referred to him as prince. I, the, like, but they, uh, you know, refer to his sister as a princess and they, like, the princesses are in charge. Like, the, this world, this world is ruled by women. And I see why you brought up Shira. So many princesses. Yes. Yeah. Right. So many princesses. But I mean, the Shira, I mean, not just because Shira literally just ended like last week, but also because Shira in this movie have a lot of the same themes. Like, Shira, the magic of Shira is the embodiment of the planet. And then they save Etheria and makes the planet grow again. Like magic brings like life back to the planet. And here, that's what this is about. Like the sea of decay is healing the earth. It's purifying everything. And that's what Nausicaa is trying to protect. And that's also, that's also part of the movie. Like Nausicaa discovers this. Like she is like, Oh wow. Like she knew not to like, we shouldn't, in, you know, fight the insects, but also to discover that this is the source of purification, like what the Sea of Decay is actually doing. But I, but, but like I connected so much with Nausicaa, not just like, not only for her beliefs, but the strength of her conviction. I think that's really what, what got me is there, ha- even now, like I cannot think of a character that is like, even, you know, we talk about, you know, Katara and Korra and these characters from modern animation that they're incredibly great characters. They are very confident. They are very powerful female characters, but, and granted, this also has to go with the um, messianic messaging in this film and like the, you know, the role that Nausicaa takes at the end of the film, but there's not really another one. Even She-Ra doubts herself. Adora doesn't know what she's doing all the time, which is a great humanizing factor, 
but in a spite in a storytelling sense and in a you know this film is extremely second wave feminism in kind of like the best way that second wave feminism mm-hmm. can be <laughs> and so like that nausicaa is the central focus of the movie she's the leader of her people and you know her only real other like foe is another woman and and then even then kashana she's like i want to talk to her like she is so impacted by yeah. nausicaa's beliefs and it's not just what she believes it's the strength of that conviction and i think to me that it was like nausicaa I, I, as, this film has really impacted me in that way and also just I it's there are there Nausicaa is on her own like she is in a level like, like she is playing her own game that I can't even think of any characters that really reach this level of like these this these are characteristics that are still only allotted to men in in in, in storytelling and this is just incredible. Yeah, I love that I love that point that she never doubts herself and her beliefs that I think that's um so it's thinking on the back on the movie is so uh so prominent. I mean, like, there's a point when she's afraid of herself. There's a point when right. she's like just discouraged by the invasion, I guess. But, um, you know, like she's just so, uh, gung ho and, and doing what's best. And I think it like works really well in a movie, like maybe in a series, you need to get into these, uh, these aspects of characters more, but it's such a striking element of Nausicaa herself. Um, in terms of getting into Nausicaa and the feminism in this movie, I want to get back to Kashana as well. But um, Sudan Napier says, in contemporary popular culture, strong female characters are increasingly commonplace, but it's worth reemphasizing how unusual this was in 1984. Particularly refreshing is Nausicaa's combination of conventional female attributes of compassion and nurturing with a steely and profound determination towards active involvement. Nausicaa faces ideological and moral challenges with a matter-of-fact competence, intelligence, curiosity, and genuine love of life. Like, Nausicaa, in many ways, is this very feminine figure. Um, and it's it's an interesting uh, characterization. I mean, you, you, you start to get into some of the physical attributes of Nausicaa and how they're portrayed in the movie, which I think is something we need to talk about. But just starting with the fact that she has... Um, a large chest bosom. What's the very, uh, what's, what's the term most appropriate for the style chest podcast? Is fine. Uh, she, uh, I think bosom because of the mother imagery with Nausicaa is where you'd want to go with that. But, um, like, you know, like, like, the, ki- like the kids, uh, when they yeah. give her the Chico nuts. I think there's a quote from Miyazaki where he's kind of like sarcastically saying like Nausicaa needs a large bosom so she can embrace all the villagers of, the, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, but I mean, I think, think about all, any other Ghibli character. Like, I don't think there's anyone with her physique like Nausicaa. And I think it's very, uh, prominent because, like, I think that's a prominent aspect of her because of the, the her being, um, the, uh, reflective of femininity and motherhood, I guess. Um, you know, even though she's a, a young girl and not a mother herself, but she just kind of represents that to her people, to the planet, maybe, you know, I guess like Mother Nature or kind of, uh, her connecting with that. Um, and uh the the other aspect of that is you get kind of these uh shots of of Nausicaa herself that are very strange to see looking back on the Ghibli catalog you get something akin to a fan service uh anime shot um where you see I mean I think in the beginning of the movie you see a few shots of her from behind while she's on her glider and there's also one shot when Tato goes into into her shirt um and uh I think these are are uh striking I, I don't think any other ghibli movie has shots like this um and i think it's uh l- from our perspective now something you could react to, something that would be likely to react to, to negatively um did either of you um feel feel that way watching this time 
I was, so I've never seen this movie, right? Never watched it. I've seen other Ghibli films. And now that I think about it, the other Ghibli films that I've watched, they are all very young children. Like yeah. Spirited Away and Yeah, yeah Nausicaa's old, older than the usual Ghibli protagonist. Right. Yeah. Like, I don't know how old Princess Mononoke is or, like, I don't know. But, like, so I haven't seen those movies. But, like, you know, and I've even Grave of the Fireflies. Like, I'm watching much younger characters. And so that was striking to me, that now that you brought it up, that, you know, Nausicaa is significantly older. Not necessarily, it's not like she's, like, super old or anything, but she is an older character. But I was extremely distracted in the first half hour of this movie because I was just like, yeah, watching Studio Ghibli, let's watch. And I'm like, is that her butt? Like, the whole, like, in the first 30 minutes. And I was like, and my fiance was like, she's wearing leggings. So I'm like, no, she's not. And so she finally agreed with me, like, midway through the movie. Like, I was like, she is not wearing pants. And I, it was odd. You get used to it. I don't, it's very strange. Yeah, and I, I think something is you are less used to this in anime. You watch less. So I think yeah, modern yeah. anime, this is very typical. Um, right, see, I don't, yeah, I don't watch any anime. Like, so I was like, what is going on? Like, it was very strange. But it's and still strange to see it in a Miyazaki movie, I'll say that. I Like, for me, it was strange to see in, like, any movie. <laughs> like, I was like, what is, because, like, there's no point to it. It was just there. Yeah, I, I here's I, I, you can tell me whether you agree, Delaney. I I think different than okay. the modern anime is these these shots aren't meant to be uh, stimulating. Like they it's they're just maybe right. more, supposed to be more of artistic shots. Yeah, no, I definitely like it's very. I I didn't ta- like the first time it was extremely shocking because I didn't know what was going on. But you know, as you watch the rest of the film, especially at the end, like when the wind stops. To me, it was more, I think it really was more like what you're talking about, the artistic, the, you know, the wind is, go, like, how important the wind is in this film. And, you know, her on the glider, and I think, and also, like, her doing all her cool tricks on the glider. Like, it was very much, a, I think, a realistic, like, portrayal of, like, if you're going to fly around on a glider in a dress, this is what would happen to you. So, I did, like, it became less distracting mainly because it would happen more during the action shots, which made sense. It was just, it was disjointing. Like it it would pull me out a little bit, but it makes sense with how much, like if she's going to wear a dress and fly around, this is what's going to happen. So it was fine. I think it's interesting to think about these shots present in this movie coming off of Cagliostro, which is, uh, you know, one of his more male focused coming of a male property. You know, maybe he settles more into uh, this feminist vision as he goes. But in some ways, uh, specifically, I think like uh, like Nasca being such this um, this prominent, uh, active involvement character, and then also as we mentioned, the subversion of the the male messianic figure. I mean, that's one of Miyazaki's most prominent feminist moments. I think there's some ways this is one of his most feminist films, and in some ways, he's maybe still settling into. Um, this overall outlook, I don't know. I think it's 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 tough to to pin down. Well, speaking of Cagliostro, it did bring to mind. Like I remember vividly thinking about Lupin's butt several times in that movie, just because, like, you know, it's like a little fun, like it's a funny-ish movie, you know. And there are like moments when he's like shimmying up a roof or something, just like, oh, that's his butt, just like moving around on display is. Are we not supposed to pay attention to that? Like, it's there. 
And I remember being kind of surprised, but I was like, okay, I guess it's not detracting anything from the movie. So maybe it could be that like, it is more just about like, oh yeah, I want to get those angles and less about like, oh yeah, that'd be a hot shot. Cause I can't imagine Miyazaki thinking that. I mean, that's kind of how I felt whenever she like, has that shot where, like, she opens up her shirt. It's like, she's just comfortable with her body and feels like her body's normal, so it's not an issue for her. And I always kind of liked that, even though it is, like, in the moment, a little like, oh, what's what's going on here, you know? Yeah. Um, I Yeah, I think it's, it's easy to see them as sh- just the shot choice of the angle and stuff. Um, I mean, I think that you can get into Miyazaki's... Um, kind of desires and views on women and stuff and uh like in terms of like qualities of women that he seems to like and i think the the napier books uh gets into that kind of psychologically with him it's and nausicaa is just this hard character because it's a fusion of him his mom and maybe like this idealistic portrayal of a woman to him and it's kind of all together and so i do think there's some like some amount of desire in the portrayal but not maybe in an objectifying way but as it, it it manifests in in uh, these these other aspects of the movie but um yeah i, I think uh, th- this this type of thing is, is hard to get into uh with with miyazaki but uh, well, there's no other context either right like, exactly. it's not like there's no romance in this movie like there's no, no not really. nothing happens other than this <laughs> like and it's so i think that's one of those it's just kind of like this odd little quirk of this film yeah, and I think maybe reflective of the times in this. In in some right. ways, this movie really exceeds uh, its its time period. In some ways, uh, it, it does feel eighty, maybe in the music and uh, maybe some well, aspects like this. Uh, I think when they're flying, it's when after the ship has already been exploded and they're trying to rescue the barge, and it gets like intensely eighties music <laughs> as <laughs> I know they're descending <laughs> into the sea of decay. So that was like that at that moment where I was like, this is aggressively 80s, which was great. There's nothing wrong with that. It was just really, it was funny. Yeah, I think Nasca is born out of a uh, 80s, 70s and 80s love of sci-fi movies in Japan. And I think it's uh, supposed to be an entry into that catalog to help Miyazaki get footing into the, and you know, he... So that's kind of the context that that this movie is born out of. We mentioned Kushana, who I think is maybe the most interesting character to talk about besides Nausicaa. Um, She's, uh, you know, watching back this time, I'm like, there's so little Kushana that compared to my my memory of her is so prominent. And Mm -hmm. uh, she's actually not doing a ton. I think the most interesting part, as was mentioned earlier, is kind of this view of her as a princess. There's this one comment from a villager that you're you're so different from from our princess. Kushana Mm -hmm. may be supposed to emblematic, be very similar to Nausicaa, but but, uh, just this different application of this really driven uh like capable woman and uh you know she is really drawn to nausicaa and just it's uh, the movie spends uh, not too much time on it but this parallel between them and the the connection that they have is is really interesting i think in an alternate world uh nausicaa has a romance with kushana in this movie (laughs) but um that's that's probably a ship if we were to look it up um but uh i think that's definitely a beloved character a character archetype we see uh a a few times including uh, a similar character in mononoke um yeah uh, she's she's played by Uma Thurman in the dub, which is one of my favorite <gasps> casting decisions. I have to watch the dub. No, yeah. I watched the that's dub my favorite way part of the before the sub, but I had no idea that was the case. That's amazing. That's my favorite part, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, and other, it changes uh, everything. <laughs> it changes everything. I think I think the Miyazaki, the uh, the Nasuka dub is worth uh, 
the other interesting casting choice is uh, Shia LaBeouf as Asbel, but a younger Shia LaBeouf. So it's interesting. Like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this is breaking my brain. <laughs> Any comments on Asbel? Kind of someone who might be this uh, companion figure to Nausicaa. The movie never really goes there explicitly romantically. Um, but, I always uh, thought they were together at the end. I mean, it's just, I don't know. I he picks her one, up in the air shot, and twirls yeah, her. Yeah. But and, I mean, and that's Miyazaki just a terms, it, that is That's like a kiss. Like, to, like Right? To that's what I assumed. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to read that. I've never actually read the full manga. I'm going to read it at some point soon. I'll, I'll see if they're uh, interested to see if they're together in it. But um, yeah, Asbel also this maybe Kushana type figure who's just very uh, influenced by negative aspects of their their world and then kind of sees the light with Nausicaa is influenced by his empathy. In some ways, I feel like Asbel is uh, a bug she's taming. I don't know. Yeah, kind of. I mean, yeah. so is like everyone. Like same with Kushana. Like she has moments of witnessing Nausicaa in action that kind of like make her reconsider things that she thought were true and just right which is like i guess like nausicaa's power on everyone like if you spend enough time with her you're probably going to come around to her way of thinking because it's just so compelling and she shows you through so many actions over and over that it's the better thing to do yeah i think the best stuff with asbel and nausicaa is probably when they're under the canopy in the, the sea of decay um some some beautiful scenes there uh Quickly running through the other characters, Lord Yupa, a famous swordsman. Um, he's he's pretty prominent throughout the movie. I don't know if there's a ton to to get into with him, but um, I'm sure there's like whole backstory and stuff in the manga. He's like very well respected. Like I never yeah. realized that to the last time I was rewatching. But like characters would be like, oh, it's like him. Like he, yeah. he's like so well known. For like, some I reason, I always remember the the guy on the ship being like, this guy's tough. Like, I always remember that. Yeah, like, everyone's, like, kind of, like, word of mouth. Like, he is, like, a famous guy for some reason. And he freaking loves Nausicaa, which is just more bonus points for Nausicaa that he sees something really special in her. If everyone thinks he's, like, amazing. Yeah. Um, they, I, then there they have, like, maybe, like, a fatherly relationship to Nausicaa. Mm-hmm. He's also, like, awed by her when he goes down to visit her under, like, in her, see, her private room with seeing all the plants blooming. Um uh kurotawa kurotawa who is uh kushana's underling um <laughs> the biggest he's, disappointment he's, in this film is that he didn't die i think I, I i like kurotawa i feel like he's a fun uh the, the funnest thing with him is when he's like uh oh kushana's gone maybe it's time for my dreams and then she he, she comes back he's like i guess not like uh, yeah <laughs> this is just because you like he's, I don't, he's he's like Zhao without the ambition yeah like uh yeah <laughs> But I, I like I like his relationship with Kushana, how respectful like he he is of her, I guess, and it, like deferring to her presence. Um, but um, you know that's also a character that ends up being pretty understated in the scheme of things. Um, Tato, the fox squirrel, the literal Nausicaa best character, gets an animal. So companion. good. Yeah, I have a Tato plush. I, 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 I don't, yes. Yeah, it's it's yeah. Tato um, is uh, yeah. I mean, it doesn't do a ton, but you know, I mean. We, we're going to transition from Tato into the influences on modern animation section because Tato is Momo, right? Yes, and, absolutely. Uh, yes. And uh, I think, like, if you look at, uh, I want to Momo focus on does Ab- a lot more. Yeah, Momo ends up being more prominent. He has more um, 
episodes to do things to be yeah, fair. Yeah, I think there's also a fox squirrel in the next movie. I, but what was yes, they have fox yeah. squirrels in Castle in the Sky. They do for yeah, a hot it's second. It's weird continuity in Miyazaki yeah. movies. That doesn't happen. Um, and by the way, we meant, Jelani mentioned um, Iron Giant before. No, Castle in the Sky is the Iron Giant influencer uh, movie. So, um, interesting. That, well, I'm going to have to watch that. You got to watch that one. Oh, I mean, the, the design of the giant is directly from uh, that movie, I feel like. Um, and, uh, but it's in terms of, of Nausicaa, uh, in general with modern animation, I feel like Nausicaa is like the, the film for comparing any scene where any uh, modern animated work from. And it's interesting because you read these Miyazaki books and Nausicaa has all these influences itself. I mean, uh, Miyazaki's influenced by a Japanese fable, Girl Who Loved Insects. Um, he's influenced by oh. Dune, the sci-fi book. He's influenced by a oh, ton of wow. European, yeah. uh, English books. Um, so, uh, and, and by these events in Japanese history. And so like just tracking the chain of influence, which I guess happens when you get into this like high level of, uh, critical view of this, uh, this, uh, important media figure. Um, but then you, you see Nasuka itself, kind of, uh, have influence on everything. I mean, I think the, the messianic ending, I see this as maybe a big influence on a lot of these Deus Ex Machina fantasy endings we get. I think just Nasuka coming back to life through the ohm, it kind of sets a big precedent. Not that, uh, Nasuka itself invents the Deus Ex Machina fantasy ending, but I think you look at modern animation creators and this is one of the most prominent, all the Miyazaki movies are the most prominent works they look to. You see this 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 precedent sense of this is how you end the, the the epic fantasy movie so i think you know we see that in basically every fantasy property um the uh the i mean i want to get into avatar and then i'll i'll, I'll specifically avatar last airbender and then i want to get uh, broader generalizations that we can get into after but um if you listen to interviews with mike and brian the creators of avatar they always talk about Mononoke, specifically a different uh, Miyazaki movie, and I think that that is because you can the the books one and two Avatar finales are directly ripped off of Mononoke, so <laughs> I think that makes sense. Uh, but if you look back a little further, and I feel like uh, Avatar is almost entirely Nausicaa. Um, the most prominent thing I think is the the Valley of the Wind uh, is the Airbenders. I, I see that connection very prominently. Um, Nausicaa herself is just such an Aang-like figure. Um, I would say Aang is a Nausicaa-like figure. Aang's empathy, um, the glider, they both have a glider, uh, just Nausicaa being this, this communication between the inhuman and the human. I like, I see her as an avatar-type figure, even though she isn't specifically chosen. You know, I think that's a really cool aspect of this movie. Ah, Nausicaa isn't the chosen one, except for that she chooses herself, like, by being so cool. Um, but, uh, <laughs> Nausicaa's just like, she kind of serves as the bridge to the spirit world of the Sea of Decay, and the, the insects are the, are the spirits. I like, I see that connection a lot. Um, I mean, th- this is where Mike and Brian, I feel like, get animal hybrids, the fox squirrel, right? Um, so, it, 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 you know, Tato, Momo, like, you could probably draw further connections between characters, but, uh, you know, this, this is where Avatar comes from. This movie, Mononoke, Spirited Away, like, this, this is where, uh, and then Avatar itself is very influential on this new generation of, uh, animators coming up. Um, yeah, Delaney, do you see, did it, do these, uh, comparisons, uh, did they stick out to you while watching or it's like looking back after I've put some of them on that line? I definitely, it was more looking back because I was still like, I was still processing having watched the movie. And, yeah. you know, when you point it out, I mean, it's quite obvious. And even, and now that you brought it up, I don't know so much that you talked about this specifically, but the visuals of the Sea of Decay are extremely, 
And I'm about, this is very much what the spirit world looks like in Avatar. It's not just the comparison of like the inhuman and the human, but also like visually, like the lighting and like the colors, like this is, this is what the spirit world looks like in Avatar. So it's very, and like, I mean, the wind, the glider, like it's all, it's very obvious that I didn't notice while watching, but it's, it's also different to look back. Like, you know, I grew up watching Avatar Last Airbender, watching The Legend of Korra, and it's very easy to watch, you know, she and to watch Voltron and these newer animated shows and be like, oh, that's literally Avatar. Like the, like the finale of, Shira was literally Korra. Like it was like the same ending. Yeah, which I think is literally the end of Nausicaa. I was going to say exactly. like that Nausicaa, the, this like purifying of the earth and stuff. I think that's right. in every show too now. Yeah, and it's interesting too. This, um, you know, I see a lot about like the flapjack tree, like of like animators and like directors and writers, and you know they all were on flapjack, and then where did they go? And like this lineage, but then here, like it's. For me, it's like this lineage of, you know, Avatar, like the the ideas, like the influences. And then it's, it's all like, It's like what Zaki. these people watched growing up and right, like right. what they like, saw before they yeah. made these shows. Yeah. And um, and again, like these ideas also. And granted, it's not like, you know, it's not like Nausicaa invented environmentalism. But like the visual representation of these ideas and like the importance of these messages to be explored through animation. And it's, I mean, it's extremely, it's very... It's it's for me it's just different because for me Avatar's the beginning. So then for me, and so now to watch Nausicaa and to see these influences, like I think I'll de- one, I need to rewatch the dub because uh Uma Thurman's in it, apparently. <laughs> and then like but but also I think to to come with it with a more critical since I know what happens, I'm not like waiting to see how the movie ends. Yeah, it's, I think it's a lot easier to take in. And uh, you you said mentioned like being overwhelmed by the beginning, too. I mean, that, I feel like the, the, the beginning scene in Nausicaa and the CDK is like one of the best parts, too, if you can settle yeah. into the movie. Um, but uh, yeah, Michelle, any other kind of influences you see from this movie um, or any other comments on that? Oh, boy. I mean, I, I think it's like hard to say that, though. Um. No, that's that's a really tough question. I feel like it's it's such an iconic movie. I feel like there are just pieces of it in so many, so many places now that it's a little hard to just like pinpoint, honestly. I mean, you did bring up a lot of very compelling evidence for just Avatar, The Last Airbender, as one example. There's bound to be many, many more, but I feel like it's kind of so iconic that it's a little hard to be like, oh yeah, that's definitely, you know, like it's yeah. definitely well, like in that one. I I have one that I don't watch the show, but my fiance made this comment and we were both thinking it. So like the, the giant, the, the giant ones. So that's, you know, they have their own very, I mean, is that's attack on Titan, right? <laughs> like, Yeah. You could just... say that that's, that's from attack on Titan. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure quite sure of the anime lineage of, kind of these giant figures right um, yeah. which you know they're different like there's like, again for me it was just the visual like i've never watched attack on titan i'm like aware of it at you know culturally and i've like seen it so, like i know i know what the titans look like and so that was you know that was the first thing we thought of was and it, it's interesting too like the uh this the intro to the film like the you know this this tapestry kind of cave painting 
um, flashes of tapestry and, you know, what the giant ones look like in that versus like what it actually looks like. Yeah. Yeah. You see, you see this kind of like recurring iconic image of the giant ones walking through fire symbolizing the apocalypse. And then you see the not fully formed giant one and the scene of it firing on the ohm. Um, and and it crazy. falls apart, like their anger and, and the, the apart, war, yeah. like it doesn't work. The giant warriors, um, not to spend too much time because I don't think it's the most important part of this movie. It's maybe one of the most dissonant uh, elements of the mythology. Like I, it's looking back on us, because I think one of the criticisms you can make of this movie is there's too much going on. Um, yes. And I looked back on Nuska and I thought, okay, the Pegite stuff to me, I remembered not fitting in with the rest of the movie. But this time, I I feel like it kind it pretty it worked pretty well because that leads into all the Ohm stuff very naturally. And just this notion that the Pegites are like setting the Ohm on on the the Tolkien's right. to fight back. I think all that works, and I think that Nausicaa as a character works really well when she's on the Pegite ship. Another, I guess, another feminist aspect that like the women of the of of Pegite kind of free Nausicaa, and they're the ones that kind of like. Uh, see like her message through the the these e- more evil aspects of humanity um, that scene that was the scene like was really like that that i really like really enjoyed that scene and then also like before that when all the men are holding her back and they won't let her go yeah yeah, I think it's a straight striking uh, contrast in with the Pejite people. Um, so, I mean, I think you could say the Pejite, but I feel like the giant warriors are, uh, they seem pretty, like, it's, it's, it's such an essential part of the world in terms of them causing the ending, but just the this revival of the giant warrior, and then it falls apart, and it's almost this anticlimax, like, oh, here's this big flashy kind of tentpole poster thing with this movie, and it's like, it's not the point, you know, it's Nausicaa and her empathy herself, which save everyone, not this giant warrior, not fighting back against the environment. So I think it's supposed to kind of be this disjointed element. So I think it fits in in that regard. But it's it's still uh, an interesting, uh, it's not the first thing I remember about Nausicaa, and it's uh, uh, still a weird aspect looking back on it. I think narratively it's weak. But, like, for the messaging of the movie, I think it's extremely profound. Like, this, you know, this weapon of war, like, this is, we'll burn it all away, but it falls apart. And, you know, it doesn't work. And I think for me, that meant a lot, you know, like, you know, this whole, like, you can't fire, you can't fight hate with hate. And, and that was, you know, that's extreme, like, it means a lot to me. And then also, I think, granted, this this isn't a bad thing, but, you know, it is also visually dissonant. Like, it looks so much different, like... Uh, I thought something that was extremely like, uh, I guess it was disturbing. It was supposed to be, but also like it just the um, when it's growing, like it's little ball or whatever, like that looks very strange and it doesn't look like anything else in the movie. So I, which, you know, is purposeful, but it's definitely like, it's definitely on purpose. And I think for its purpose, they do a great, it's a, you know, it's incredible. Like, and for the, you know, the part at the end where like, yeah, this is our triumph. And then it's like, no, it just falls apart. Yeah. And I think it's intentionally disjointed in all these yeah. aspects we're talking about. Like, I do think it's so carefully done. And it's like the giant warriors just playing into like this notion of what this 70s, 80s Japanese sci-fi movie is. It contains this like crazy creature. And then Miyazaki takes that and suits it to his the own messages he has of his film. Doesn't mean it doesn't ultimately feel weird compared to everything. Right. But, uh, I think that's kind of the probably where it comes from. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's also just like the, uh, the, the impetus for the plot, uh, kind of it, it falling into the, the Valley of the Wind too. Um, the, uh, yeah, I, I think that any of the, 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 the,
revisiting them, I guess, quickly, I want to, Michelle mentioned one of my favorite scenes of the movie, which is, I think, potentially the best scene of the movie is the flashback to young Nausicaa with the baby home and hiding it in the, in the tree. Um, and they like animate that in a crazy different style. Um, and we see the, the start of kind of the, uh, the ch- children chanting that becomes, uh, 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 like musical, uh, thing that recurs at the end of the movie as Nausicaa's making her sacrifice and being resurrected. Um, yeah, that scene, I mean, I think is incredible seeing Nausicaa's connection with the home the entire time. Just the home throughout the movie, it's just, just so visually striking. Um, you and, see this uh, scene in every movie of uh, a flashback or of the, the taming like, of the, the, well, I've just like, I mean, I'm right now, I mean, there's other movies, but what this just made me think of was in, uh, the Avengers like anytime you have like a movie where like it's either a flashback they do this a lot with uh like gladiator-esque movies like when like or like 300 when someone's died like this whole like the field of wheat and you know you know it's a lot of times it's a father and a daughter so like it's interesting that you like this isn't like it's not like Nausicaa hasn't just influenced animation but i think storytelling overall which is a a, duh like obviously but like also again this visual you see in live action films as well like this the field of wheat the you know the and they talked about it a lot like that's part of the uh the uh prophecy yeah yeah and i think um or it's on it's also in black panther Okay, we'll go through a whole uh, Miyazaki Marvel. Uh, yeah, that's next. <laughs> so that could be an ending of it, yeah. Uh, no, but I think last week we talked about how uh, Cagliostro uh, influenced uh, Spielberg in live-action movies uh, in, in terms of like the action-adventure genre. So yeah, I think it, I think it could check out. Like I think Nausicaa is simultaneously a very much an entry in an existing genre and an existing line of tropes. However, it is such a prominent film for many current figures that it like it becomes the genesis, I think, of a lot of these things. And it like you see a lot of the Nasca version of these things. Not that it necessarily originates a lot of these things we're talking about, right. but um it, it it takes on its own and then uh it influences these future works. Um the uh the music we I think this is mentioned, I think uh this is the first partnership between Joe Hisaishi and uh and Miyazaki, which continues throughout his film lineage. Um, and, uh, you, I think Nausicaa's score is incredibly, uh, prominent and striking. And at times, I should say prominent, at times prominent, at times incredibly minimalist. I think there's large parts of this movie with no music, um, which is striking in its own right. But I mentioned kind of the, the children chanting, uh, theme that occurs, uh, in, um, Nausicaa Requiem at the end, um, when she's being revived. Um, I think that's a really prominent kind of sound of the movie. And just other than that, kind of this, like, I don't know if synth is the right word, but just this, like, this, uh, d- d- difference, like, you could interpret it as 80s kind of sounding, right. like, that, that plays through the sea of decay and then through some of the action sequences, um, make a very distinctive kind of, um, audio style for this, uh, this movie, I think, compared to some later ones. Um, and I also really love the, the epic, like, opening, uh, oh. music that plays on over behind the, like, myth that, the that's, uh, visuals that are during the opening credits. Yeah. Um, the, uh, Michelle, any, any other parts of the movie standing out to you that we haven't, uh, hit on? Um, one thing that I kind of really like just as a device is the fact that, and we, we, touched on this a little bit 
if like the sound of gunshots or like firing of any kind enrages the insects and causes them to actively attack, which I think is such a good reason for just showcasing that like Nausicaa's way of dealing with the situation is very like talk it out, be gentle, like understand the thing you don't understand versus trying to blow it up or blow each other up. Whereas like you spend most of the movie just watching like the only two other like civilizations of humanity duking it out with each other and constantly losing their airships and blowing each other up and just getting nowhere with that. And I just think like having like a reason of like, it also like makes the insects really angry and attack you. It's just like a really good way to be like, yeah, of course this is a bad idea. You're going to make the insects mad. Even though like doing it in of itself as a reason is also bad. I just like, I think that's a good part of the movie. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you brought up the airships. I mean, if we're, I don't think uh, a lot to discuss with them, but the an iconic uh, image yeah. or schema that we'll see throughout all of Miyazaki's films. And they're very, very prominent in this movie. Um, a lot of action taking place in the sky. Nasuka herself having a glider, the gunship from the the uh, Valley of the Wind. Um, so definitely a recurring album we'll see in one of the most prominent uses in this movie, even if it's not the first thing you want to talk about. Um, just kind of anchors the movie. Um, we didn't mention the last shot of the movie, which is the, the plant sprouting in the sea of decay. Non-toxic life can continue yep. yeah. now that the earth is kind of being revived. Again, part of this very optimistic ending of the movie. Um, and, uh, it, uh, it's, I think it's a very striking image. Um, I also want to say Wally too, when I'm yeah. talking about this, stuff, you know, <laughs> yeah. all these comparisons, very, it seems very similar. Well, he's probably, yeah, probably very influenced by it in general seems similar in a lot of ways. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think it's, uh, at the end of the credits and this movie very quickly goes to credits right after. Yes. Uh, yeah. And then you just see kind of the, the epilogue and what's going on. And then that you're left with this final shot. And I think it's very striking and powerful and reinforces this optimism and all of these, uh, themes that we've been talking about, uh, here. Um, uh, we, could I, oh, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, no, you go. I wanted to talk about a, a scene that yes, I um. So this, to me, this was like the most impactful scene to me in the film, which I think for me it was not just jarring, but also like looking back on the film, like how like how important it was when um. So we we had this image before when um, uh, what's his name Asbel. He's yeah. he's firing on the ship and Oscar's standing on top of it. And, you know, she raises her arms and surrender, yeah. you know, and, and he like he's like, oh, my God. And, you know, he, he crashes. Well, I mean, he gets blown up, but same thing. It's fine. Um, but fine. then when she goes to save the baby and, you know, the one soldier's like, I'm not going to shoot her. And yeah. but then. And, you know, and, and that she actually gets shot. Like, I, like, I mean, I recoiled. My fiance had to be like, are you okay? Because, like, watching her get shot was um, unexpected. Like, I wasn't, like, I didn't expect that to happen. But then we see a lot of people die in this movie. Like, a lot of people die in this movie. And, like, Nausicaa kills some people. And, like, these people get stabbed. You see this on the airship. There is never any blood except when Nausicaa gets shot. Like, like, I was paying close, like, you know, I was, you know, when they were stabbing, like, I wasn't anticipating, like, the, the amount of violence that's in this movie. And, like, there is no blood except when Nausicaa gets shot. And then for her to be bleeding and, 
like when she's you know holding on to the baby and the the ohm's blood turns her robes blue and yes. and again and also the whole sequence michelle was talking about when she like protects the baby and you know her foot gets stuck in the acid and like all of that was i like i've never seen anything like that like i don't think like it's incredible and it, for me like this is an extremely like profound uh, you know, sequence, you know, sequence of events in the film for like, for me, like, I, like, I do, like, you know, I'm very much, you know, the sanctity of all life, I don't eat meat, and, you know, how important it is to have empathy for other living things. And this entire sequence is just incredible. Like, it's, it, you know, what you were talking about, Nausicaa doesn't just say things like she does things. And I think this is the most incredible display of, respect and love for a living thing like you know there's how to train your dragon and all that but uh, but like that's they you know this is a creature that cannot speak it's not cute unless you're my fiance who loves bugs but <laughs> um which is the only reason she stuck around to watch this movie <laughs> so it's definitely the bug movie it was definitely the bug movie she did she wasn't ready and she was like oh my god so then she sat and watched the whole movie with me but um, that 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 entire sequence was really, and I just I when I think of this movie, I'm gonna I'm gonna think about her like jumping to save the baby and like getting shot at because I just that was very jarring to me. Yeah, I really co-sign a lot of what you're saying with all all of that that sequence towards the end. That's really striking and powerful to me too. And um, just, you mentioned the her giving herself up. I think that happens twice. Very part of the kind of messianic themes are yes. very Christ-like. Yeah. It's very interesting that this is one of Miyazaki's only instances of kind of Christian imagery, and there's not a lot of uh, analysis, I feel like, behind it. I think he, he, he specifically says he doesn't really want to get into it too much. I don't think he's a particularly religious person himself, so it's uh, interesting how it manifests in this movie. Um and probably a larger discussion on maybe why. And, uh, you know, I think it's maybe more of a narrative thing in his mind and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, and then you mentioned the, the, the yeah, Nausicaa, the only blood you see, great observation. And also you see the, uh, the Ohm's blue blood is a yes. very prominent mm-hmm. visual element then. And you're right, it turns her dress blue. I think blue is a striking visual color throughout this movie that you could analyze even further. The blue being the eyes of the Ohm. When they're pacified, uh, she, she turns blue, the blue blood, and, um, a lot of other blue maybe images towards the end of the movie. The blue, the blue of the, uh, the figure, I think, too. Um, yes. the messianic figure. Yeah. So. And then also the forest she's, is all. Oh, yeah. The forest. Yeah. 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 And, and the fact that, like, she's standing there covered in blood, like. Yeah, this is crazy. crazy. <laughs> like, it's a lot, like, my fiance was like, she's just covered in blood up there. And I was like, yes, that is exactly what's happening. A lot of striking color. Also, the gold field uh, that's made up of the ohm. Uh, the ohms, yeah. Feeler things, yeah. Um, it's. Uh, I want to mention. I know, and another thing, the the wind itself. I think it's a, a subdued element towards the end, but the wind goes away and then comes back. So, kind of this uh, resurrection of the wind, in addition to Nausicaa. <laughs> Yeah, um, and representative maybe of the beginning of the resurrection of the world after humanity has uh, has has plagued it so much. Um, so I there's there's all these like I've say like I've said understated a lot here in this analysis. Like there's a lot of elements of this movie which are pretty only briefly touched on, powerful in their own right. You could I just imagine what a three hour version of Nosca would be. You know, right? Um, it, it's uh interesting context this apparently is from an old miyazaki book not from the one i've been referencing apparently production on this movie nine months 
Uh, we talked about Cagliostro's made in three months. This is even crazier, mm-hmm. maybe. Uh, yeah. Nine months uh, and a $1 million budget. Um, pretty insane on that one. Uh, how I don't know how you make this movie in nine months. Uh, but at this point in his life, Miyazaki is just constantly working. Um, and uh, something I'm getting from, I've been watching the uh, documentary series 10 years with Hayao Miyazaki. It's, uh, if you Google it, it's free on a Japanese NHK website. Um, and you see some aspects of production and all these documentaries are more focused on his later life. So not as much direct uh, commentary to bring into these earlier movies, but, uh, definitely seems like Miyazaki does every single storyboard in every one of his movies. Um, (laughs) Oh, Miyazaki. It's which, uh, in nine months is crazy to think about. I did see the, uh, at the Ghibli museum, my favorite thing was I saw the storyboards of Nausicaa. They're in a, like a few binders in, in one uh, room and, uh, was just like flipping through the end of the movie and uh, seeing Miyazaki's original storyboards is pretty crazy. That'd be my highlight uh, if you're going to go. Um, wh- what else? I think that's mostly what I have here. I mean, so many topics that we could have delved into more with. Nausicaa, and I'm sure we'll talk about it in relation to a lot of Miyazaki's future films as well. Michelle, any, any final Nausicaa thoughts? I'm not sure my final thought's very appropriate, <laughs> but it did break my brain a little bit. Okay, go ahead. I'm, uh, oh, I'm just a little curious, because I, I didn't know anything about Miyazaki's relationship with his mother. If she was a pretty prominent force in his life, shaping him growing up, that you know makes a lot of sense. Just the way he frames female characters as, you know, fully human beings. <laughs> shouldn't be radical but it is and this movie is 40 years old but like when we were talking about like Nausicaa's chest I mean the thing that broke my brain is like I think like I don't know how to like talk about this without it sounding weird but it's like yes she has a very big bosom but it's never like it's never fan surfacey it's just there it's like a part of her body and in a way it's kind of framed as like a part of her strength and a very like feminine, perhaps like maternal, if we're going to lean yeah. that way, sort of way. And I'd never, never considered that before, but I actually really love that because like when, when else do you ever see like, <laughs> like lady chess as a form of just like a physical enhancement of strength and not just like literally the male gaze all the time. Mm. Um, because like maybe in a way it's like the equivalent of like what broad shoulders are supposed to be for men. Like that is supposed to be a very specific form of like, if you have very broad shoulders, like, oh, like you're so masculine. Like, you you know, it, it translates that way somehow visually. And like, maybe that's what that does for Nausicaa with her, with her chest. And like, that's kind of amazing because like in the rest of his movies, he does tend to, like, give mom specifically, like, they're pretty big gals, but they're, like, big in, like, a, a strong, robust sort of way, and they got the big chest, and I always was just like, wow, like, I never see this. I wonder why this is a thing for him, but if it's, like, very much to just, like, emphasize, like, the power of that very maternal sort of physique like i actually think that's really wonderful (laughs) i don't see that very often so i kind of love that but i'd honestly never considered that before this that's great yeah that was that was one of my favorite observations from the the susan napier chapter on 
Nasca is that Nasca is very feminine. And yeah. Th- this this hero figure, if they're a woman, they're usually embody masculine characters. Exactly, but her body is so not masculine, but like it's still very strong somehow, and that's so cool. Right, not, and her body, and also just her like nurturing and compassion. Mm-hmm. These female associate attributes. This movie does usually. If you have a female char- a character like that, men men are making, they'll downplay that. It's like, oh, it's a woman, but she's a cool woman, you know. Right. Like, but but, the, but Miyazaki like pr- specifically props up all of these aspects of Nausicaa mm-hmm. and then also adds to her some traditionally male associated roles in a movie like being so so like uh, determined. Yeah, and her So prominent sure. in it. You know, these it, these aren't inherently male things, but are usually associated with that in in these these male properties. And uh, just this this pairing, I think, is is a large aspect of what makes Nasca as a character so special. For um, sure. Yeah, I love. Yeah, I love that too. Like, uh, but Miyazaki's mom. I mean, I think read uh, Miyazaki wrote for more on this, and also this Ten Years with Miyazaki documentary. Uh, he talks a lot about his mom. I mean, I think he he grew up with just his mom, and she was bedridden for most of his life. Um, she oh, died wow. during around Nasca. Um, oh and, wow! Yeah, and then uh, this is. Um, I mean, I can read this since we're on it. I can read this quote from the book, which I think is is not super related to what we're talking about, but is is very interesting. Um, Napier says, uh, Miyazaki's mother died working on Nausicaa. In a later discussion of his mother's death, Miyazaki spoke of cremation, widely practiced in Japan, and somewhat surprisingly said that he wished his mother could have been buried rather than cremated. He imagined the beauty of plants growing from her grave. Uh, Miyazaki says, then if the flowers bloomed above her grave plot, I could think, look, my mother has turned into these flower blossoms. Perhaps it is not a coincidence that the final image in Nausicaa links directly to this form of rebirth, a vision of a breathing mask next to a little plant springing out of the desert. So maybe that last image being Miyazaki's ideal for um, his own mother. Um, oh, and man. uh he, He's in, in the documentary series, he gets very emotional thinking about his mother. I think there's always a figure that you can say is Miyazaki's mother in every uh, each of his movies um embodies aspects of his mother so I think we'll check in on that as we go but I think that would be the number one person in terms of Miyazaki's relationships himself I think later we'll see with his son Goro as he uh is uh directing movies at uh, Studio Ghibli as well but um definitely a big uh influence on on Miyazaki his mom and uh yeah maybe this very feminine influence and uh this female figure most prominent on his life is a large reason why he transcends just the general sexism of the males in this period and specifically in anime and it's just like uh you know it's like how does this vision come out of out of uh the the surrounding influence i think it's a large reason why yeah uh okay yeah we'll we'll continue i think a lot of uh, discussion about that delaney uh what are you thinking as uh final thoughts on nausicaa so I I had watched some Studio Ghibli movies before this, and I liked all of them. But um, this is the first time I've really felt that compulsion that I really need to watch all of them. Like right. af- like after watching this movie, I really want to watch. Like I liked My Neighbor Totoro. I watched like I've watched. I enjoyed everything, but I think this is the first time that I've felt like. Like I understand visually and like, like, you know, this is, this is my moment. You know, I, I joke about having like Disney princess moments. Like I didn't understand wanting to be a Disney princess until I watched Moana. And then this is, this is like my studio Ghibli moment. Like I didn't like, I was like, yeah, they're good movies. Like they're great. Like I get it. They're pretty. But then this is the, like, I really like, this is incredible storytelling. This is really important 
work and I really like I'm I feel very compelled to watch all of his films. Yay, Yay. good. I'm, I'm glad you're gonna be checking more of them out. Maybe we'll get your opinions as you see some other ones, uh, for the first time or revisit some other ones too. Um that's exciting, yeah. I think Nausicaa is will be different from further ones you'll see. Right. Um and anyone watching for the first time. So it has a lot of attributes that are really special just to it, but certainly a lot of these themes we're talking about are gonna be uh re brought up uh throughout a lot of Miyazaki and in general Studio Ghibli movies. Um, and I think it'll be interesting to go right into Castle in the Sky, uh, next week as a follow-up to, to Nausicaa, also a very fantasy movie. Um, but I don't remember certain aspects being as prominent in Castle in the Sky, but I haven't seen it in a few years, so interested to revisit it. That's what we'll be getting, that's what we'll be getting into next time. Very exciting. So I hope you enjoyed our discussion on Nausicaa and Nausicaa. I did Nausicaa, then I went to Nausicaa, so there you go, <laughs> to Prince Nation. Uh, of Valley of the Winds. Um, and uh, OverlyAnimated.com is where all of our podcasts are, but you can specifically subscribe to the Ghibli Rewatch feed. Um, and of course, now all of the Ghibli movies are up on HBO Max in the US and on Netflix, most other places besides that. Um, and uh, so check them out and continue on this journey with us with Castle in the Sky next time. Um, our Patreon, if you want to support us, is Overly Animated. Uh, Patreon.com slash Overly Animated. Thank you to all of our current patrons, especially our patron of the podcast, Andres. And thanks as always to our patron executive producers, Ryan, Steve, Alex, Beatriz, Hugh, Michael, Needle, and Phonition. Um, yes, we'll be back for Castle in the Sky next Wednesday. Very excited to I'm get into so that movie. Excited. Uh, in, in, these first, all hits, these first uh, yes, eight, eight or good. so, just crazy high quality, the beginning of Studio Ghibli. So I'm um, excited to get into all of it. Thanks for listening, guys. We will see you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.